Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. I'm your host, Shelley Chopra. The series is for healthcare leaders and organizations navigating the journey to value-based care and the ever-changing landscape of our healthcare industry. Our goal in this series is to bring to you disruptive success strategies for healthcare organizations, leveraging our experience and having worked with some of industry's top experts and thought leaders. And before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and other questions that might be top of your mind. With that, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Dan Marino, Managing Partner at Lumina Health Partners and an industry thought leader for value-based care. Dan, welcome. Hi, Shelley. Dan, we're in the middle of some challenging times. The coronavirus or the COVID-19 pandemic is placing tremendous amount of pressure on our physicians, our healthcare providers, in fact, our entire healthcare infrastructure. More so than ever before, our providers are being challenged to meet the ever-increasing demands of patient care while maintaining the safety of the staff, the patients, and even community as a whole. Such times also call for innovative pivots in our care delivery models and how we leverage technology. So I was thinking for today's episode of our podcast series, let's spend some time talking about how practices and physicians can leverage telehealth technology to provide patient care at a distance and be able to meet the safety needs of the community. You know, telehealth is uh, an important element. We've talked about this in healthcare for some time. Up until this point, a lot of the commercial carriers and the government didn't really reimburse for telehealth, telemedicine visits all that well, and in some cases, not at all. Due to the recent pandemic outbreak, the industry is really trying to determine or identify new ways to treat patients, as you said, to really manage a lot of the patient activity and, and frankly, reduce the strain of the COVID-19 outbreak on the emergency room. So recently, the government has relaxed a lot of the requirements around telemedicine visits and actually has put out information saying that they now are going to start reimbursing for this. The commercial carriers have also done it. So this is a really good thing for the industry and it's allowing us to create new access points for patients to not only treat their current chronic diseases and their current medical issues and needs, but also to manage some of the panic and the anxiety around those patients who do or may have COVID-19. Absolutely. And, you know, as the providers are navigating these times and while they are figuring out how to stabilize their operational and financial health, they're having to figure out how to really make this change and introduce telehealth infrastructure in their care delivery models. Then what would be key steps or key things they need to consider as they make this shift to introducing telehealth services as part of their portfolio? Practices really need to focus on reestablishing their clinical workflow in a, in a virtual visit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, practices for the longest time, you know, they know how to create a, a an in-person visit with a patient registering, with checking in, seeing that patient, checking out, and then, and then billing. What they've not done is really set this up in a 
in a virtual visit or really through telehealth or through telemedicine. And as we start to think about the important elements in creating this virtual visit, there's really five criteria that we see are really important. And the first is really need to establish the guideline for it. You need to have the right space in the technology. Third is that you have to continue to document in your electronic medical record system. Your billing has to obviously follow suit. And there are some billing requirements that are different in telemedicine and telehealth than there are in an in-person visit. Fourth is you need to have the right communication channel. And then lastly, it's important to really think through how we're setting up this patient visit, what needs to happen during the pre-visit, scheduling, and then after the visit is concluded. Really all five of those elements, Shelley, are, are critical to a successful virtual visit. Absolutely. You know, I'm reminded of uh, one of the recent webinars we hosted on how to code and bill for telehealth visits. And one of our guests in our webinar, Dr. George Mazel, who is a principal with Lumina Health Partners, did a fantastic job summarizing from a clinical perspective how to set up for a telehealth visit, what are some of the considerations for providers, for the staff, for the practice infrastructure, and how to make this experience as seamless as possible, not only for the patient, but the, for the provider as well. And then what are some practical tips on how to document for this visit? Yes, Dr. George Mazel did a nice job of really talking about from a clinical perspective how that workflow needs to be structured and incorporating the technology with the communication with the patient and then also how that needs to be documented in the electronic health record. This is new for patients as well as new for providers and the more planning that you can have around this and really establishing the right roles will really make for a successful visit. So let's listen from a portion of a recording from our webinar where Dr. George Mazel talks about the five key steps to consider as you set up a telehealth visit in your practice and what infrastructure settings need to be put in place for the visit to be seamless for patient as well as provider. You can listen to the entire recording of the webinar provided in the link in the description of this podcast. Additional information is also available on our insights page at www.luminahv.com slash insights. All right, I'm gonna talk about launching the telehealth services and sort of some of practical kind of how to do, how to set it up. So we're gonna, we've broken it down into five steps, which I'll go into some more detail for you. Again, first, I know Lucy said it three or four or five times, but I think it's important repeating even again, even though CMS has relaxed their laws, HIP has relaxed, the states have relaxed, the malpractice carriers are still very different. So you wanna check with yours to see what the rules are around seeing telehealth patients, particularly the hows and the whos and the new patients are, are particular questions. And then of course, how it works across state lines. So we're gonna talk about creating guidelines. We're gonna talk about setting up the space. We're gonna talk about linkages and EMR and documentation. And then we're gonna talk about communication plans. And then lastly, we're gonna talk about the scheduling, which is really important. We think this is going to be a new normal. In this crisis, everybody's obviously moving into the space, which is important. And this may be a personal opinion, but I think it's shared by many. I think once people go through the learning curve of learning how to do this, and once patients set up the expectation that they can now see their physician by telehealth, 
I think this is a trend that's only going to accelerate. It was already starting to happen before with value-based payments. Um, I think even though some of these changes are temporary, I think the new normal is going to be very different. I don't think telehealth will be going away. In fact, this may be the knuckle of the curve uh, as it expands. So let's start with the telehealth guidelines. You want to agree on a group on who you're treating. This is really set up for low, low acuity patients, for triaging patients. You want to know what your partners are doing, what patients, and then you want to get that guidance to your office staff so you're getting the right patient scheduled. You don't want to be seeing acute cases that shouldn't be handled by telehealth. Chest pain always comes to mind or shortness of breath. So you want to make sure you know what diagnoses and other things. Again, this also gets into that new patient, established patient list. Second, obviously, a lot of patients are calling with symptoms or, or even concerns about COVID-19. So set up some guidelines and protocols for your staff and your other physicians so that you're all singing off the same songbook because you want to make sure you're all consistent in the messaging you give and the triaging you're doing. Third bullet is standards. Again, nothing changes. We'll go into some more detail, but you still have to document, 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 and make sure all the same things you did before are documented in the medical records, plus some additional things we'll talk about. And then fourth bullet is um, decide where you're going to bring in your advanced practice providers. They can play a huge role in tele telehealth visits, and you want to decide what role they play, and again, be being consistent inside your practice. And lastly, you want to make sure you tell your patients, especially if you're not using your EMR and you're going to some of these other systems, which have now been okayed by CMS, um, but there's some I would say minor HIPAA risks there. They're not gonna be risks from CMS standpoint because CMS has agreed to look the other way, but you wanna at least let your patients know that you are using a different platform and, and make sure them, they're aware of that. So let's talk about the office space. And, and I apologize a little bit because this stuff sounds a little simplistic, but it makes a heck of a difference. So first of all, you wanna look professional. You wanna set your computer up in the right place. You wanna make sure your background's appropriate. You want to make sure you're right chair. You want to make sure that your audio and video are okay. And again, you, you want to make sure you're doing all the right stuff and keeping it professional. One of the, the things that always comes up, and I'm sure we've all seen this on YouTube and other things, is keep in mind kids, dogs, cell phone, and mirrors. Um, just remember, um, the screen shows everything behind you. If there's a mirror, then it shows things in front of you. Um, so just keep in mind. And then... There's also the aspect of possibly using a green screen. I'm gonna let Lucy show you what she does because I think it's kind of clever. She has a green screen behind her, which actually shows whatever she wants it to show, even though we have no idea how messy her house might be behind the green screen. So that's really important. Just you know, keeping it professional, this is still an office visit. The second thing is the EHR links. Remember, you have to document this. Um, you wanna make sure connections are good, the Wi-Fi is strong you know, some simple basic things, but things you probably didn't think about before. The last item is the technology. A lot of folks um, use separate microphones and separate headsets, you can see. I've been lucky enough, I work off a Mac and I simply just use my computer microphone and, and camera and it seems to work fine. But again, you need to check your equipment and make sure it works okay and make sure that, um, that everything comes up sharp and crisp and clear. And many folks actually use a phone line rather than computer audio because it seems to work better in many cases. Again, lots of options for using different technologies. Um, I think one of the things you may find is many of your EMR systems actually are set up with patient porters, portals, and setups for telehealth. 
and you just simply have to turn them on and use them. So the first thing I would do is see if you already have it built into your system. If you don't, again, with the new relaxation, um, you can use any type of technology. Almost everybody has FaceTime, either an Apple FaceTime or obviously the other vendors have a FaceTime as well. I mean, that works for this. Again, that's where you have to sort of give a little disclaimer to your patients and let them know you're using non-traditional technology. But I think in these times, people would be very accepting of that and appreciate the opportunity. Again, also remember with things like FaceTime, when you have a, a mobile camera, to, to be careful of your background because that can really change just simply shifting the camera around and you wanna make sure you're aware of that. So use your EMR first and uh, all these technology platform, and I'm sure there's others, but all these are, are adequate and work great for uh, these kind of visits. Again, a reminder, even if you don't use your EMR, even if you use totally separate technology, you still have to get the visit into the EMR. So if you have an EMR that's appropriate, you turn your telehealth visit on, you had need to set up some templates based on diagnosis and treatment. The appointment time is, type is really important. We'll talk a little more about that later, but again, um, whether it's a televisit, and if you use Medicare lingo, it could be a check-in, a virtual check-in, or it could be an e-visit, all different definitions of these different visits, but you wanna be very careful which appointment type you select and make sure your staff is aware and, and have something in writing so they can get the right appointment type in. The place of service is O2, and most payers want you to change it to O2. Some don't, but again, that's some of the complexity that Lucy mentioned earlier, and she'll get into a lot more detail about the coding and the HIPAA codes. Fees, almost everybody's now paying for this now, although the water's really muddy. So you might not get an absolute guarantee um, that you're gonna get paid, but again, almost everybody's leaning towards paying for reasonable visits in this new world that we live in. Okay, here's where we get to some of the documentation. I'm not gonna spend any time on the uh, darkened box on the right. That's the stuff you're doing anyway, and you should do. The additional thing you need to be really cognizant of is you need to put the time in because now that time really is gonna drive the level of service more than, than some of the complexity codes that you're used to working with. Need to put that the visit did occur by telemedicine. Need to put the location of the patient and location of provider. Those aren't things that typically in and all, all persons participating in the telemedicine medicine service. There's an additional thing. I think if you're not using your EMR and you're using Skype or Zoom or one of those, I would probably also make sure you document which service you're using because it's certainly possible that over, you know, who knows how long this is gonna go on, that you might be using different services, although obviously um, consistency would be much easier to work with, but I would also uh, document that as well. Um, so, and this is sort of important, it's very individualized. You need to let the patients know um, what you're doing, that telemedicine visits are available, and you need to let them know what's appropriate for televisit uh, visits. So, um, and you need to let them know how they go about scheduling. Um, certainly phone calls into the practice will be one way, but to the extent you can limit phone calls by using your patient portals, by using online emails, uh, social media, and recorded messages, making sure your answering service is aware and making sure they know the scheduling times and how to schedule. Um, again, all those things are, are viable uh, and whatever ways you're used to communicating with the patients, uh, need to be added to that list. So that's really important. Just let them know it's available because again, you don't want every single person calling on the phone, tying up your staff with that. So here's where kind of the rubber meets the road. 
the scheduling in this really becomes important. That's really how you keep control of things. So you decide who's responsible for the scheduling, what are the appropriate instructions, how to handle call and covering physicians for scheduling, what hours. And again, I would advise dedicated hours by physician um, for these kind of um, televisits. Um, what system we use to capture appointments. Hopefully your EMR will function accordingly, but perhaps not. Um, and then how do you transfer calls to the scheduler and, and how to do follow-up visits. Um, it's important to note that some of the EMRs have recently come up are augmenting all of their systems to either help with triage or to help with scheduling or to put travel history in, into some of the survey questions. Um, so a lot of the EMRs are actively improving their mechanisms to deal with telehealth. And I would encourage you to call your vendor and see what they've done um, so that you don't have to recreate the wheel. So let's take you through some of the, um, some of the, 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 the uh, processes here. A patient calls the office and says, I need to schedule an appointment. You do some screening and checking and make sure that this is an appropriate person um, for a tele telehealth visit. Um, so you set up the time for the telehealth visit. Um, and what, what happens here is um, generally you'll have one of your office staff call that person back. Um, that's really where you're going to do your screening, make sure it's the right patient for a televisit, make sure they have the technology, make sure you've got consent from the patient for the televisit. That's where they, they arrange to send the, the uh, link, the computer link, so that they can do the right call. You confirm insurance during that, that pre-call or pre-visit. Um, and that's also a good time to review and get the chief complaint, perhaps get some brief past medical history, gets the uh, medication use and allergies. So that's a really good place to really do all the pre-visit items that are so important in making sure the telehealth visit goes um, as it should. Um, at that point then, uh, we move into the telehealth visit and the, the provider says the screen interesting provider sees the patient discusses follow-up. And see, this is one of the things that's really different in a telehealth visit, which is obvious, there's no physical exam. So you have to have diagnoses that are treatable and you're comfortable without a physical exam. Um, now, granted, we're gonna, I think, move down the road at, later on into places where they'll be um, easy to hook up uh, blood sugar monitors and PFT monitors and, uh, and uh, stethoscopes to computers, but we're not really there yet. So right now, and there's some different criteria for billing, which Lucy will get into later, which helps augment um, the fact that you're not able to do a physical exam in terms of meeting the appropriate billing criteria. So we'll talk about that later, but that's very, very important. Um, so at that point, patient will log in. Um, the intake is already done. The visit will occur. And then you move to the visit response, document it in the EMR, um, the same as we already talked about. And then, of course, the visit summary um, has to get sent to the patient. And again, follow-up is a critical piece like it is with any visit, either it's PRN or preferably some de definitive follow-up timeframe. All these things, and again, we talk about visits. We recommend visits in 15-minute increments. Um, usually it's a five-minute kind of pre-visit with then the visit being about 25 minutes or possibly 45 minutes as a total. So probably staying on the 30 to 45-minute um, window. And then I would leave at least 15 minutes between visits, possibly even more as you start up because there's gonna be a huge learning curve um, for both the physician, and don't forget there's also a learning curve for the patients. And you probably also need to judge how tech savvy your patients are because that could slow things down dramatically. 
And again, I remind people, the last thing you want to do is get behind in a telehealth visit, um, you know, if you have several scheduled. Um, imagine you're behind patients. There's no easy way to reach the patient. You can't walk out to the waiting room and tell folks you're running a little bit behind. So you really want to leave a large buffer, especially initially um, as you get this learning curve through and learn how to do it um, and set up a process so you don't get behind. And again, then as you get expertise, you can certainly move into, into tightening up the schedule. Those were some great insights for George Maisel, Dan. You know, I loved that he talked about something that we might just take for granted, something so basic, yet it's so crucial in creating that experience for the patient and the provider, which is to set up a dedicated space and set, you know, little things like showing up on time and managing time during the telehealth visit. I thought that was very interesting. Yes, one of the things that Dr. Maisel highlighted, which I thought was really important, was that this clinical workflow for the telemedicine visit has to include, like you said, that dedicated space, but really has to give some thought to how it's scheduled. And in particular, that the physicians have to stay on time. And one of the things that he pointed out, which I thought was great, was you know during a, during a regular patient visit, if you're behind, the physician can just go out to the waiting room and say, okay, I'm gonna be 10 or 15 minutes behind in a virtual type of a structure. You don't have the ability to do that. So staying on time is really important. Absolutely. And the second part he mentioned that I thought was very important and I want to come back and highlight is you have to almost think through the whole process. What are the steps doing during the pre-registration or the scheduling of the visit? What needs to be done during the visit? And then more importantly, how are you wrapping up the visit and following up with some concrete next steps in terms of documentation so that you're closing the loop from a process perspective as well? Yeah, and it really just comes down to thinking about the pre-visit, the visit, and the post-visit in the telemedicine, televisit uh, perspective, and really thinking about how we incorporate it into the electronic medical record, and what are those right level of instructions that have to be given to patients just to ensure that level of continuity of care, incorporating the visit, but all the way through the whole treatment plan for the patients. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank our listeners uh, to tuning in to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. We at Lumina are your partners on the journey to value-based care. To learn more about us, visit us on luminahp.com. And if you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms and don't forget to leave us feedback. As we mentioned before, you can listen to the entire webinar by Dr. George Maisel by clicking on the link provided in the description. You can also find additional information and submit specific inquiries that might be top of your mind regarding telehealth programs by visiting our website, luminahp.com insights. And that is a great way for you to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Join us again next time where we continue our deep dive into the topic of telehealth for patient care and talk about how to code and bill for telehealth visits to get reimbursed for it. Joining us would be our managing partner, Lucy Zielinski, who will offer some practical insights into particular billing and coding processes for us to use. Until then, have a great day and stay safe and healthy.